Hello and a warm welcome to another episode. My guest today is Eva-Maria Hemper, Senior Director Enterprise Sales and Head of Strategy at VMware. A true hidden champion and one of the biggest software companies in the world. Today we are talking big numbers. We are diving into enterprise sales and why big is always better. Welcome, Eva-Maria. And I'm super thrilled to have you. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. So when we talked beforehand, uh, it was happening quite fast that you came up with the title Big is Better. And uh, before we jump into it, because I was hooked immediately by Big is Better, when it comes to enterprise sales and a dedicated focus to shift into bigger accounts. But uh, before we jump into, just give us a little bit of context about yourself and the company you you pushed that. Um, and I I know that you also could tell us um, a little story about your, your younger me. Yeah, so I work for VMware, so one of the largest software companies in the world, which a lot of people have never heard of, like even in IT. Um, so we are around, I think it was last year, $13.3 billion in revenue. Um, so I guess one of the largest software companies you've never heard of. Um, and we are basically cloud, cloud infrastructure, uh, and also cross-cloud, um, hybrid, multi-cloud management. So we can basically almost have an operating system for cloud, which includes private cloud. So you can run your data center with the right software, which we're happy to provide um, as a public-like private cloud. And I'm responsible for all our larger, all our enterprise customers in central EMEA. So that's the Dach region, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, um, Eastern Europe, all the way down to Israel. And I keep saying what's left of Russia. So we used to go all the way to Russia, but of course we are not active in Russia anymore. Um, my background is a bit unusual. So I come from strategy and strategy consulting, and I keep having discussions with people. Actually, I think there's a lot which is very transferable also to software sales because you're also dealing with large tickets, particularly if you do like top management consulting. I mean, you're easily... Um, digits for a project and the only thing you have to convince the customer to go with you is your beautiful my case brown eyes <laughs> promising us that you can really do what you say you can do i mean so it's in a way even harder than software because the software at least you have like some source code and some proof of concept you could maybe do but none of that in um in consulting but so it is about big tickets uh, and it is about delivering value and I, we'll get to that but as you said, there's a story about my childhood and you could argue, I basically, I learned that bigger is better when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> so, I mean, just to set the scene. So imagine it's January, it's cold, there's some snow, there's like three little kids all kind of dressed up. You're wearing like a bit of an uncomfortable crown and you're going from house to house and you're asking for donations for other children in need. And so it's a German custom and it's like symbolizing the three wise men. Hmm. Um, and so I did this year after year and every year my team came in first in terms of donations. It was not because of my singing, just to set that okay. clear. It was definitely not because of my singing, but what it came down to is we just had the best territory. So we had the inner city territory, which was like the right-hand side of city square with all the big shops it was like the main toy shop the main bookshop and so there you could go there and they would give you 100 marks or more and then you might even get some 
some additional potential from like bystanders, which might not be home when the wise men came to their house. So they would give you their donation as well. So just with one stop, you could easily make 100 to 100. While otherwise, if you go from house to house, you did like five year or five marks at a time. So it's a very different model. And like having those kind of big key accounts and thinking about, okay, how can we make them bigger? allowed us and you had a limited amount of time you only are out for like two or three days allowed us to come top of the crop every single year so for me if i think about it it really sort of drives back that you can like your big accounts can be a complete sort of game changer to your business um and i'm probably the first one to take it with a grain of salt i think we talked about that before i mean of course um it's a it's a risk reward thing so smaller business it's called run rate although i mean if i talk to my colleague who's responsible for that of the part of the business he will mind that very much because it run rate kind of implies it comes by itself it's still also quite a bit of work but it's a different type of work but the smaller accounts are like that you risk like if one of them doesn't come you can probably kind of on board do something with somebody else if your big deal doesn't come you're like five ten a hundred million dollars short so but if they do come, you're doing amazingly. So it's often a little bit like the, the swing. And I, I think about it, I once talked to a realtor, like, a, um, and they were saying it's a little bit with them as well. They have the rental and the buying part of the business. And they are have the saying that the rentals, they pay, that pays for your own running costs. And then if you kind of manage to sell like big mansion or single family home, that sort of pays for your new car or whatever else depending how expensive the car is and i think that's a little bit the thinking i think you need both but i think to really excel and also do like step changes big deals are are super important and that's why a bit provocative i think this episode bigger is better all right so and um after your consulting career and your present career you could easily move into vc because everyone is uh bragging or a lot of vcs that they're kind of standard playbook and say yeah at some point you have to to uh, to uh enter the enter uh, enterprise space so but that's uh off topic so let's double down on uh what did you learn so or before so what are the the, the pain points because of, of from a rational perspective it totally makes sense to to go big you have your your steady business, um, but now we we decide to go big, and you um, uh, you you achieved kind of a significant increase um, over the the last years. So, what was the challenge you were facing in, before you were double down or put more focus on enterprise? I mean, there is an element that you have to think differently about how to sell, and. I, I talked to quite a few sellers and some of them actually, I, the ones who get it, they were like, sometimes it's actually easier to put a large number on the table because it immediately like elevates you to a different level on customer side. So if you kind of, if you're asking for, I don't know, 10K, 100K, 200K, you're probably in our case with head of infrastructure or something. But if you ask for 5 million, for 10 million, for 50 million, that will go all the way up to the sale. So it's a completely different discussion you're suddenly facing, but it's also a different mindset. Like you have to dare to put it down. And like if it has to be consistent, if on the one hand side, you want to be a strategic partner to your customer, you want to be an important uh, partner in developing their business, but you're not talking to the boss, that's a problem. So like by kind of putting out that big number, you can elevate yourself to the boss, but you have to be ready for it. And you have to sort of 
think differently about it. I think sometimes it's also some people are also scared some sellers because they're like, oh, but if I do this, I basically I I grab all the potential at once. But there is also something I think called the Matthew effect, like in the Bible, or like a bit. I don't know if you're allowed to say it on here, but like sometimes there's a thing like the Ooh, devil always good. claps on the biggest pile. So like who hath will be given. Um, and I've seen this that actually often the customers who buy a lot from you also your best customers to buy even more. So it goes a bit contradicting also to the advice of going after white space. I mean, it can be the right thing, but sometimes it's also just better to double down where you already have potential and where you can prove yourself to be a valuable partner. And where from that, you can then really go into sort of the strategic bit into kind of developing things together. But for that, you really have to, you really have to double down. You really have to sort of drive this mindset change. And the program I drive it, which is called um, Dream Bigger. It's all about this. And I sometimes, uh, probably some of my colleagues might be listening, but I think it's not a huge secret. I think of it almost like as a learning by doing exercise. So, you know, I mean, there's, apparently it's not scientific, I read the other day, but this learning permit, like how much you retain if you hold something, how much you retain if you read something, if you actually kind of that if you teach it yourself. Um, and here, I mean, of course, you can go out and tell to tell to yourselves, oh, you have to be more strategic. You have to pick that, put down big numbers. You have to be in tune with the priorities of your customer. Now go and do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're probably not. They're probably like, yeah, this sounds reasonable. But then they're in front of your desk and they basically have their account list and they basically have people calling them. And they're like, okay, but and they, they just lack the muscle memory so to say of doing it so the way we do it we basically put somebody on their side who has expertise who has done it before so we have usually two people the one is a um a business strategist and the other one is like a commercial strategist so the one person is there to really help identify articulate business value to read the annual report with you to basically build some ri calculation sort of make some arguments why investing in our technology is a good thing and why also going all in with our platform is a good thing versus doing some mix and match and potentially even i mean if you really want to get like what vmware allows you to do as i said before is also to run your on-prem data center like cloud but if you do this you actually have to also make changes to your org as a CIO you really have to kind of break up the traditional silos between compute network and storage so all of this thing to basically structure this to communicate this to the customer this is what the business strategist does and then you have the commercial strategists and they are the ones who understand the um the IB, so we usually work with customers we work with for a long time. I mean, that's a bit of a luxury being at VMware and we have like, I don't know, 80% market share with vSphere or so. So, I mean, uh, most customers or most companies out there we do work with, just the question, do we work with the right people? Um, but so the, the commercial strategist kind of analyze what has the customer have. And then between the different programs, the different SKUs we have, they basically create a compelling offer. And then I keep saying they are the counterpart to procurement. So if you're basically going in with a large deal, like I said, 50K, 100K is a different story. Yep. But if you're going in with yep. a huge deal, you will have a really good procurement person on the other side. So you want somebody on your side who basically also knows all the tricks and speaks the language and basically is on eye level. Like I keep saying, it's like a court. Like if I'm just in court for, I don't know, a speeding ticket, I might go there by myself. But if the stakes are high 
And if the opposing party is really good, I probably get a lawyer. And so that's a little bit how to think about the commercial strategist. And so those two people, they work together with the account manager and with the um, solution engineer. And those four people are then like working together with specialists and all the other things we have, I think, luxury of working in a big corporate. And they're really driving that deal. And the idea is that, I guess, if you come with another big deal, we'll help you again with all those resources. But maybe have a little bit of a smaller deal. You've learned it, you've done it, you have the muscle memory now. Okay, do this, I do this, I've done it before. And so that way, we're also using that program to kind of elevate sales as a whole. So doing the Dream Big program, the Big Deal program, elevates, is a, is a tool of elevating the way you sell across the board, like also for the smaller big deals, and to really drive the change of being more strategic and less tactical and more intentional. Okay, this is uh, fascinating. So um, just to and to just structure it a little bit in my mind, when you have the kind of the speedy sales process with your colleague, so I would say they are in the selling process. Normally you would have kind of classic account executive and you potentially at some point have an engineer role in the process. Now with your setup in kind of tackling enterprise deals, you are adding what kind of roles? I'm adding a business strategist and a commercial strategist. Okay. So what is the, the difference between they sound pretty similar to me, but obviously they aren't. Business, business strategist is there to identify the value. Like I said, read the annual report, prepare materials that speak to the CIO. It's almost like we sometimes call them also advisory. So that's yep. that's that. And then commercial strategist is structure the deal and be the counterpart to procurement. But basically realize the value, like identify the value and then make sure the customer is also paying for it. And we're kind of structuring in the way that works for both parties and we don't get outmaneuvered by procurement. And these are shared resources. I don't, they're not hundred percent. So, I mean, I usually, I think in my case, we run five to six accounts per person. So every business strategist has five to six accounts and a commercial strategist has five to six accounts. But I mean, that's of course, I mean, maybe a step back. So the program I run is 30 to 50 accounts. So in general, I have like an account list of four. So like I said, I'm responsible for the whole region and yes, like for sales managers and there's also account managers and all of that. But so in, I think my patch is 140 enterprise accounts. And out of this, I pick 30 where I think we'll be able to do a big deal this year. And big deal is $5 million plus. Uh, and then the other sort of 20 is like my, my kindergarten. So yeah, the deals where, because large deals take time. So you have to be aware of that. I've not seen a single large deal, which at some point wasn't close to being dead or wasn't dead. And then we brought it back. So like, you have to allow at least 12 to 18 months. So that's why I have those like my kindergarten, like those 20 extra where we invest, where we plan or hope to do something bigger next year. Um, and so in general, I do care. Like, so those deals with those accounts, I, I do something like, last year 250 to 300 million dollars so it's quite it's quite significant what we do yeah. on, on the account and we have we have a pretty good success rate i mean not all of them work out but again that's again to me a basis of sales like if you do things and you like succeeded every single one of them you didn't jump high enough you definitely left some money on the table somewhere so i had last year i think a 50 success rate which i think is it's pretty good i'm pretty happy with that um so 50 percent. so depending on the sales process, because it seems that quite lately, 
um, or late in the process, you are creating the opportunity. So there is a lot of prep beforehand that you have a close rate of 50% or you are outstanding. Or well, both. we do a lot of, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess our business is a bit different because we do a lot of uh, enterprise license agreement renewals. So the customer often has to do something. Okay. And so then the, the success for me is also, do I manage to get over my threshold or not? Because sometimes we do something, but it's smaller. And then I wouldn't count it into my success rate. I only count it as success if I get over my threshold. Like I said, this is because, like I said before, we have 80% market share. Like customers have existing contracts with us, which they have to renew to continue to get support on their uh, installed base. So, um, I mean, probably some people listen to this say, oh, this is paradise. Um, it is and it isn't. So I, I think that's a whole different story, like the benefits. And I mean, like, if I've learned something, you always want what the other person has and they always want what you have and you can't have it all. So, um, but yeah, so that's the that's the deal here. And I mean, I think it's important to really run this as a program. But of course, if you scale it down, if you're not a VMware, your business strategist and your commercial strategist could potentially also be one person could be the person who's running the program. But like in my case, if I run 50 accounts through the program, I can't do everything myself. Yep. So that's two teams who are running this. Let's dive um, deeper into, because you mentioned, so the one key part is the mindset and kind of lifting or elevating the entire sales process. How do you yeah. align everyone in kind of A, that this is a priority. So this program really is essential. And how do you make sure that all the different stakeholders get along with each other? So, I mean, the one thing is it's super important to that this program has to have sponsorship from the top. So, I mean, this, of course, is like endorsed by our VP um, for the region and our VP for the ge geography. And so we have their support. That is an important part. Um, and then also when I do the account selection, I have a lot of conversations. So I have conversations with the first line sales managers and I say, hey, where do you see potential now? I mean, we've run this program for a while now. It has some credibility as well. So people do see it as something that's valuable. People see it as a valuable support. So usually I do that uh, interest. And then the question is also like, well, interest but potential. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to spend my resources on a $1 million deal. So it needs to be big enough. And so I I discuss with everybody. I sometimes I also discuss with my own team in terms of, of last year's accounts. Where do we still see potential? And then this way, I create and we do territory business reviews as well, where the and I run these, where the for the for all of enterprise accounts, not just Dream Bigger. Um, and there, the account executives have to discuss their territory and have to say where do see where do they see the potential to make their target, and also stretch wise where do they see for more and so all, out of these all of these data points i then i'm able to put the program on a fairly broad basis that people are really bought into but it's also important that's why i was saying before it's important to really run it as a program like you need some sort of accountability so you need sort of check-ins we call them um bigger coachings where we sit together and discuss like where do you stand provide certain tooling and certain sort of like around account planning um, account around how the C-level story should look like. So there is a good amount of structure on this. And it's also important like, to keep bringing in leadership as well. And that's another benefit of the program that with this program, scope docs can be resolved a lot quicker due to the management attention 
And then finally, we also have an element of community building. So we have what's called Dream Digger Cafe, where like an account team, which was successful in the past, gets like half an hour uninterrupted time to share the real story of how they did it. And there you hear a lot about, okay, yeah, this, but all the things that went wrong and how the deals were almost dead. But it's important to really sort of drive this, this cadence. It's important to drive this sort of structure, this repeatability. And then we, we keep bringing in also new impulses. We have a little big kickoff where everybody gets aligned and like, hey, this is what you signed up for. And also, I mean, again, everybody who's in for it, who's in for the additional support we provide, additional tooling, and um, there also can, I'll ask, like, okay, I have accounts all for 10 sales managers in the house. Like, where do we, where are you standing on your dream bigger accounts? Like, where are we good? When I had one, which I asked the other day, I'm like, well, I thought this was going to be $120 million deal. It's now down for like 70. Uh, what happens? So that's the flip side of it. But I think it's super important to have some accountability and have some owner. And then, like I said, you can scale it up or down. I'm aware that we're in a bit of a special situation being a, a very large company, but I think this this mindset is the important thing. And I think that can work at any at any level. Yeah, super great insights. And even for, for smaller or early stage companies, uh, sooner or later, they will think about uh, enterprise. And uh, so I dare to, to summarize what I learned. So A, um, so you, of course, you run different motions and it's clearly separated between kind of fast or recurring uh, new deals and kind of building up the base and uh, having a, a healthy uh, in, income or a stream of, of new revenue. And then, of course, you have the, the big bets uh, in terms of enterprise. What I also learned that you have this dedicated program uh, aligning everyone on, on a key strategic pillar. I really like this dream bigger. It sticks. It's really sticky. Um, what I also learned that it needs top management attention. And I see it also in early stage startups. So if you do not have these kind of uh, a, this is important because everything is important. Um, and then also to to get man top management support. That's a it's a definitely it's a it's an accelerator. And um, just thinking out loud, is there anything else you would to stress to to be um, a, a fundamental piece for success? I think what's really important is to and that's what most people struggle with, to think, put yourself in your customer's shoes. And a lot of people are very happy to talk about features and all the great things their product can do. But I think maybe that's the biggest change. Besides being brave and putting out a large number, the biggest change is to um, think value and speak value instead of features. So that's why you need to understand what are the corporate priorities and also the individual priorities of the person sitting up beside you. And you have to tell your story accordingly. Like you might have somebody who's been in the job for a long time, is maybe close to retiring, and maybe this person isn't willing to rock the boat. Then your messaging has to be around, this is a safe bet. This is what you kind of have to do to make sure things go smoothly. If you have somebody who's hungry and who wants to change things, then you have, then you can't come to this message. Like even then you have to be more about, okay, if you do this, this is like allowing you innovation. You can disrupt, you can really sort of change something here. So you have to understand the individual motivation and then you also have to stand the company priorities and you have to talk to this. You have to speak the language of customer. We, we call it like a value pyramid and that, and then the features come later. But like, if you go to top management, they will not buy features, they will buy value. I think that's the most important thing to take away. 
it's a great closing remark and this is applicable to um, all uh, even smaller deals i would say talk uh, talk value not uh, about features at least uh, in uh, to to management and top management so um if maria that was uh, enlightening thanks so much i have a um, i have a personal question at the very end um, so I'm curious what you are learning, what you do not master yet. Is there anything you learn as of now as a new skill or anything you invest personal time into? I spend a lot of time still kind of keeping up to where where's the edge. So both in terms in term of technology. So I do a lot of reading right now on, on quantum computing. I'm a quantum physicist by training, actually. So it's a bit coming back to my to my roots. So I did some post grad work in quantum physics back in the days, um, but also a bit more closer to application AI and like what can it do? And these are also things I, I love to talk about and very happy for anybody who wants to sort of connect with me on, on LinkedIn who's interested in the um, interface between digital technology, strategy and healthcare. So that topics I'm super interested in. And I think you'll never master these. You'll always be learning. Wow. Okay. What... Uh... A second closing remark. So thanks so much. So for the ones who want to reach out on this uh, geeky and nerdy topic, we will uh, add your LinkedIn profile. Uh, thanks again, Eva Maria, and have a wonderful day. You're welcome. Bye-bye.